Hello and welcome to another My Tunes podcast right here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, Manx Radio. My guest this week lives on the Isle of Man, hasn't always lived on the Isle of Man, has had, I would say, a fairly illustrious career in radio. And she's also the daughter of the late Richard Adams. He, the author of Watership Down and much, much more. Juliet, welcome to My Tunes. Thank you very much, Mark. Nice to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Juliet Johnson, and you're on the island. Now, when your father lived here, did you live here with him? I came backwards and forwards. Um, When my father and mother eventually my mother came out to live here um i got into university and was just starting so i was like many teenagers quite keen to get cracking on my own life but i loved the island and i came back for many holidays and actually i did live here for a full summer and i worked in the dog's home when I was talking to a few people before uh, we we've, uh, sat down to do this, a lot of them remembered your dad living here. And uh, I'm trying to think how long they were here for. Dad was here for the best part of a decade. Yeah. Mum slightly less because she stayed at home in London to look after my younger sister um, while she finished her O-levels. And then my sister came out and she went to the Buchan. Now... I want to go back 50 years because it's a celebration year for Watership Down, 50 years since it was first published. And I know you've been really busy across all the media talking to people about that, and we will talk about that a lot. But I want to go back to when it was written and you, as a little girl, hearing it develop. Yes, it was not the story that we'd originally heard in the car by the time Dad had finished like Topsy, it grew and grew in the writing, and uh, it took him best part of two years to write, and another four years to get it published, Mark, because nobody was interested. It is remarkable because it went on to be so successful. Yes, well, I think publishing is an expensive business, and a lot of publishers really want to replicate the last big success. It was so original that they just didn't dare take the risk. Was there any pressure on you growing up to become an author? because I know you ended up in radio and and had a long time in radio. Did you ever feel that Dad was hoping you might be a writer? No, I I think that he thought that that was something that was either given to you or wasn't. Uh, And he didn't come to it until very late in life, relatively late in life. So, no, he he didn't put pressure on us to do anything in particular. And I, I think that's a good thing, generally. So what drew you to radio? Let's talk about your journey into radio. Well, I started out like a twit going into publishing and it soon dawned on me that there was very little money in it and it was basically a business and not for someone who dreamed of being creative. So the next thing I thought of was I'd rather like to go into the BBC and eventually I wriggled my way in, although it wasn't easy. Um, And I worked for a wonderful man, a very fine editor who taught me a lot. But you also did some time in local radio. I did when I had children. Um, went to France for a bit. When I came back, it seemed easier to work where we were going to live, which was back in Oxford. And I was lucky and got a, a good job as a senior producer on Radio Oxford. And working as a senior producer, which programmes were you involved with? I worked with a wonderful presenter, now dead, called Bill Heiner, 
who was American but had made his home in Oxford, and he was most famous for having put the bottom end of a shark through his roof and uh, then gone through the courts because he hadn't got planning permission. And eventually the minister himself said that Bill was to be allowed to keep his shark because he thought it was unlikely to set a precedent so that everyone else would put sharks through their roofs. I love that. That was in Oxford? That was in Oxford. I remember, I never saw it myself, but I certainly have seen pictures of it. It's spectacular. It's still there. Is it? Bill's dead, um, but the shark is still in the roof. Now, we mentioned your your father coming to the Isle of Man and your mother and 10 years. What's drawn you back here? Well, I married a northerner and, uh, in fact, I knew him when I was on the island. Uh, We were at Oxford together. He used to come out here a lot. And when he retired, because he was a don, um, he thought about going back to Yorkshire, which is where he was born, and we went and had a look at Yorkshire and we actually, dare I say, we had a look at the Lake District but we came to the island just for a holiday and I'd forgotten how much I liked it. And eventually, after a couple more holidays, we decided we'd like to come back. And here you are. And here we are. Let's have your first musical choice of the week. Great choices, every last one of them. Diverse isn't the word. Mm. Talk about totally diverse. Start us off with this first one. Well, this is The Doors. Um, I listen to The Doors compulsively in between trying to get into Oxford and it, it's for me this one it's very long time ago but I still think they've got a lot to say The world on you depends, our life will never end. 
Riders on the storm Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out on loan Riders on the storm This week on My Tunes, my guest is Juliette Johnson, returned to the Isle of Man. Her father, the author, Richard Adams, was based here, as we discovered yesterday, for around about a decade. But she's back here with her husband, not doing any radio work here yet. We might come on to that a little bit later. Twisting of the arm or something. You never know, Juliet. Thank you for coming on to my tune. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I just want to try and capture your feelings of that little girl being read sections of the developing watership down because, is that right, he read it to you pretty much after he'd written a bit? Yeah, he'd uh, write late at night. He'd uh get to right after his supper probably not much before nine o'clock by the time we'd gone to bed and so on and he'd write sometimes it would go better than other times but I think generally it came pretty easy and then um, usually the next night he'd read to us what he'd written the night before and that was with you and your sister and my sister yes and there was one bit I remember one time when what he read was very exciting and my poor little sister said oh daddy can we just have 10 more minutes please I really need to find out what happened it, you know, we're on a cliffhanger and he said well, I, I, no I'm, it's really time you went to bed now and she said please daddy please and he said well I can't I haven't written it yet Brilliant. So you really did see it develop, and, and section by section, chapter by chapter. Yeah, and we had some input too. Um, you know, we'd sometimes say we didn't like a word or something more critical. And my sister, Roz, in particular, was very keen that nobody was to be killed. She said, none of the characters must die. This is, for us, it's a children's book. I don't mind it being scary, but, but you know, the ultimate must not be paid. I mean, mm. the poor rabbits are, are, are gassed in the, the Sandalford Warren. I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, Fiverr's right and they need yeah. to get away. Mm. Uh, so there's that in the background, it's true. But Bigwig in the snare does not die. No. 
And uh, I don't think anybody's killed even in the fight at the end. Um, people are hurt. Say people, rabbits, yeah, you know, yeah. well, our, they are our friends. Our, They're yes. our friends yeah. by now. Yeah. But actually, he's pretty merciful. There's an urban myth going around this town that they were rabbits uh, around the Isle of Man. Of course, that's not true because he hadn't got here at the time. Where was the family home? The, our family home where he wrote Watership Down was in Islington. Mum and Dad bought the house before we were born. In those days, it wasn't in a particularly posh neighbourhood. It is now, but, you know, it wasn't when we we were born and when we lived there. And I'm glad to say that to celebrate this 50th anniversary of the first publication of the book, Ros and I, after several years, partly because of the pandemic, have managed to put a green Islington people's plaque on that house. So... Were there rabbits in the garden or were they in the park? Where were they? They were in Dad's head, <laughs> Mark. Dad was a, a, a miserable Londoner who didn't want to be... He was born and raised in, in rural Newbury back before, long before the war. He was used to roaming the countryside as a little boy. Uh, he wasn't an only child, but he had a much older brother and sister, so he was as good as an only child. And his way of spending time as a little boy was to roam all around his home and on Wash Common and Greenham Common. Greenham Common then was open land and full of birds and animals. So, no rabbits in the Islington Garden. There we are. And certainly not written about rabbits on the Isle of Man, in case you're thinking, are you sure? Yes, we're sure. You've heard it now. He wrote wrote other books on the Isle of Man. He wrote The Plague Dogs, which was also made into a film. He wrote that just outside Peel, where we used to live, and other books as well. Next choice of music, strikingly different from The Doors. Yes, I wanted to choose the other three songs for my children because I try to update my listening when I get the chance. And I uh, there's a very good app that you can wave at records you hear in restaurants and it will tell you what it is. And if I like it, I'll put it into my Spotify account. This song is my older daughter, Lucy. And it's the one she loved when she was about 14. She couldn't get enough of these girls, the Spice Girls. Make it last forever 
My guest on my tunes this week is Juliet Johnson, who has returned to the Isle of Man, uh, been here on and off in the past with her father, her late father, Richard Adams, the author. But for a lot of her life, radio was the calling and I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure a passion. It was more than just a job. I love radio. And um, when I had to go and live in Portland, Oregon, I didn't know how long for, actually. Um, it turned out to be two years. It was a marvellous place. But I wanted to get to know all about Portland, Oregon. And so I went and volunteered in their wonderful station up there, the PBS station, public radio station. And I um, did the odd programme. And when I wasn't doing the programme myself, would help with research for the current affairs programme there. And I learned an awful lot just from talking to people, going around, reading up on the history. By the end of it, I reckon I was almost as good as a local. And it was so nice of them to let me do that. Wherever you go, if you listen to the radio, the local stuff they're putting out, you will learn a lot more about the patch than if you don't. Certainly more than general television work, I would suggest. Yes. I've got a great friend who works for Canadian television, and she rather contemptuously calls television news pizza making because she said you just sort of have a base and then you stick various pictures on it and say if you write down a tv news script you won't get anything like the density or information that you will get from the radio what for you makes it last why is radio still as popular as ever well you can listen to it while you're driving you can pop it on while you're pottering around making tea you don't have to pay attention closely all the time but um, it, it's very portable, isn't it? And you, you, now we've got things you can go back and listen to old programmes, certainly at least for the BBC. Uh, and I think that's very helpful too. You can pick things up if you catch something. You can usually get back to it. Somebody was saying the other day as well, it's a mechanism for discovery of music. There's such a catalogue of music going back that's available and certain radio stations focus on certain genres. And younger people are hearing uh, records from the 70s, 80s, maybe even 60s for the very first time Mm. and going on their own journey voyage of discovery. Yes, well, my uh, second daughter, my other daughter, Miranda, um, she has a passion for soul music, as it used to be called. And she certainly picked that up from me and from the radio. I mentioned at the beginning of the week the diversity of your selection of tunes for this My Tunes. The next one is going to take some explaining, for for me anyway. Well, this is a song that my daughter Miranda brought to my attention. She said, Mum, there is a new song out, but knowing how much you like soul, I think you're going to love it. Dynamite. How old are your daughters? My older daughter Lucy's 35 and my daughter Miranda is 31. Here she is, Miss Dynamite.
It's the 50th anniversary of the publication of Watership Down by Richard Adams. And my guest, Juliet Johnson, uh, Richard's daughter, one of two uh, daughters, has been very busy. You may have seen her on the telly. You may have heard her on the radio elsewhere because this 50th anniversary has been big, Juliet. Yes, it's taken me by surprise, yeah. actually. I, you know, I was sort of thinking, well, we'll put our green plaque, our Islington People's plaque, we'll go up on the house and... I suppose the local paper might come and things. We have been very touched with how people have got behind the whole thing. We had a really good turnout for the plot. We had a lovely primary school come. They wanted to do a play from the book. Um, and then it, ITV News turned up and uh, I got requests from all sorts of people to, to do things. I, I was even in Sky Television, which was quite an experience because they made me up to look like a film star. I went to the new Osterley campus, which Ooh. is still being built. It's huge. Anyway, yeah. it was all very exciting because I've got used to being quite quiet nowadays. <laughs> What's so nice is that everybody seems to get it. They understand that we want this wonderful story to go on. You know, it's, it's about the story. It's about giving children stories that mean something and that will feed their minds and not just talking about snotty, you know, poo, ha-ha-ha stuff. And I just think it's timeless. It will go on and on and on. Now, neither of us will see the 100th anniversary, but I bet there'll be one. I hope so. I it will be marvellous. My, my great-grandchildren will be around for it. Absolutely. <laughs> you mentioned uh, earlier in the week about the uh, many other books that your father wrote, uh, Plague Dogs and others, and some of them written here on the Isle of Man. But I'm intrigued by this fantasy world that he created. You told me about it when we first had a chat about doing this, and I went into one of the books called Maya. Uh -huh. And uh, raunchy, yes. ooh, ooh, uh, missus, yes. raunchy, but it's obviously set in this incredible fantasy world, and it doesn't stand alone. It's a prequel. It's a prequel to his favourite book, which is called Shardik. Maya and Shardik are sort of cult books. They never caught on like Watership Down did, um, but they have their fans. And in fact, a few years ago, a very fine publisher indeed approached me and said, could she bring out Shardik again? Because it had been her favourite book as a young girl. And we were hugely pleased um, and have made great friends with this publisher, who's probably one of the best in the business, Juliet maybe of One World. Beckler, the world that these books are set in, is something that has appealed very much amongst other people to Stephen King, who referenced Shardick in his Black Tower series. So it's a sort of fantasy cult now. And, you know, everyone knows Watership Down, but, but real fantasy writers and, and readers actually know about Shardick and Meyer as well. And there's another book as yet, uh, well, at the moment, unpublished. We have the third in the trilogy. Uh, Ros has got it in a box. Now, Ros is your sister. My sister, yes. I think myself that it would make a very good TV series, um, sort of Game of Thronesy thing. I mean, it's got all that stuff and more. I don't think we've got any dragons, but we've certainly got the battles and the huge empires. And he was a very good visual imaginator. So there's 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 great stuff to film in there. One day, perhaps it will happen. Well, I was going to say exactly that. Having read, I'm, I'm about, it's a big book, Maya, I'm about two thirds of the way through. Yeah. And I've been going at it. So <laughs> well, I hope still, you're enjoying it. I am enjoying it. <laughs> I am enjoying it. But my goodness me, you're right. It is so visual. Yeah. And I was thinking every other page thinking, that's going to look great. Because I'm already thinking it's got to be a TV or a film series. Well, we'll see, you know. 
stranger things have happened. It would be nice, but um, we'll see. Big question for you. Can we tempt you back into the world of radio, Juliet? Well, do you know, I wouldn't mind doing a little bit now and then. I I love researching. I I love being on air. I'm quite happy to be behind the scenes. I did enjoy it in Portland, Oregon. Well, you never never know when I've stopped travelling because I've got to go out to Calcutta for my beloved daughter's wedding um, in December. So there's going to be a bit of a break from my dear island for a while. That'll be a proper Bollywood wedding, will it? I've got to have five different outfits. As mother of the bride. As mother of the bride. Oh, how exciting. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'd love to see some pictures of that. That would be superb. Well, best of luck out there. And best of luck with pursuing the fantasy trilogy and moving that forward, because you and your sister really are the drivers behind all these things now, aren't you? Um, for want of anyone else, yes. Yes. So it's, you, you, it's quite a lot of responsibility. Yes, to keep the legacy going. Yeah. And, yep, yep, I feel we should. Well, here's to that. This last track, I don't think it has anything to do with your daughters. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is for my darling son, Robert, who is a little bit of a surprise. We always seem to have two daughters, and then, lo and behold, I have Robert, um, who's a marvellous, marvellous chap at London Business School. And when he was about 14, he came and said, Oh, Mum, you're going to love this song. It, it has elephants, it has everything. And I didn't know what he meant till I looked at the video. Have a look at the video for this one. Coldplay, Paradise. It's been... A great week. Juliet, thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. Chief.
Coldplay, Paradise. The final choice of my MyTunes guest this week, Juliet Johnson. Thank you for joining me, Mark Tiley, for another MyTunes podcast. And keep coming back to manxradio.com because there are more podcasts being added every single day.